Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. You like how I'm trying trying new stuff? Yeah. At the beginning here? Yeah, I'm always like, oh, what's he going to do? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen now? How's it going, everybody? <laughs> mm-hmm. Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Featuring the Rhinos, and as we record this in 2021, it's summer break! Woohoo! Summer breeze makes me feel fine. No, that's not what's happening outside. It's super muggy and hot. It's ridiculous. It's 95 with 95%, which is also the humidity. (laughs) The heat index, I think they said it was 101 right now. Well, me and Nightwing just got back from a nice nice, uh, little jaunt, nice little jog You two are nuts. He's nuts. I try to keep him in, in his in a um, in a contained state. Otherwise, he is an insane person, dog, dog, dog person. <laughs> well, he looks quite peaceful right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and currently, as we record this, yep. a little bit of uh, breaking news. You have breaking news there in the red column. There. <laughs> Now this this changes so often, but as of right now, uh, we currently live with a celebrity. Oh, oh! I was like, "Where is he going? Where, with go- this? Where is he going with this?" I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, our currently our uh, my running buddy Nightwing is currently the number one ranked Basenji lure courser in the United States. <laughs> yes, he is. He went to. The ASFA International Invitational, which I guess is a big deal. Um, It's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. It's supposed to be a big deal. But uh, he went and he won both days, Best Basenji, both days. Mm -hmm. And he got a good good chunk of points. He doesn't really, it doesn't seem like he really cares. He just likes seeing his friends and having fun. He does. He likes chasing that little plastic bag that is supposed to look like a bunny. Yeah. It's, he's not like it's the super, greatest game in the world. Uh, I mean, he him. is competitive because when you know if he's behind or something, or if the other dog, there's been a few instances where the other dog will kind of cheat and start. Yeah, <laughs> early. cut the corners, <laughs> and then he gets he kicks into another gear that I, that we didn't know he had. But he he so he is competitive. That's inherent in in all dogs, I think. Well, if but you're especially putting forth all that effort to chase something, yeah. you want to catch it. Especially you want to be hunting, the one to get it. Especially hunting dogs, there's a level of competition there. But he he's just all he just wants to have fun. He just yeah. wants to see his friends. If he could just go there and just play in a field with <laughs> with all the other dogs, he would be <laughs> so happy. He's the friendliest little guy in the world. Yes, and a celebrity. Currently sleeping on our floor. Yes, trying to cool down from his run. So congratulations to Nightwing. Uh, what's his full register name? Kabushi's Dark Air of Gotham. Oh. Fancy. A fancy name for a fancy boy. <laughs> so let's, uh, speaking of fancy boys, let's talk about... <laughs> there got, you go. I got no, I got no connection there. Like maybe if we were talking about like... Uh, Gilderoy Lockhart yeah, or something like that. <laughs> Speaking of fancy boys, Gilderoy, Gilderoy Lockhart is current is going to be teaching at Hogwarts. He was mentioned in the chapter. He so was. Maybe we can have something was. there. I don't know. Yeah, I'm the worst at transitions because I just don't even try. So I don't even try anymore. I think that so makes it like, more fun. I'm, I'm, I, so I'll be talking about like toe fungus. Like, Speaking of toe fungus, let's get back to chapter 19. <laughs> Harry Potter. Nobody and, was talking about toe fungus. Yeah, see, I'm the worst at that. <laughs> 
But last time we talked about chapter 19, Jessica, the Hungarian horntail. And we're going to talk about chapter 20 today. So let me give you a little, uh, recap. little recap of what happened last time. I'm just going to lean back and take a little break Chapter here. 19. Uh, Harry was super nervous about the upcoming first task in the Tri-Wizard Tournament. The final product of Rita Skeeter's plagiarism pen was released. This causes Harry a lot of grief from the students and teachers toward Harry. Uh, Hermione can't get Ron and Harry back on good terms. Uh, we have an afternoon in Hogsmeade for the students. Harry goes under the guise of the invisibility cloak. Moody pulls a Ken Rhino and brings his own drink into the pub. Uh, Moody's eye can see Harry's invisibility cloak somehow. That might play later on. I'm not sure. Thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, Hagrid wants Harry to visit him at midnight at his uh, cabin and to wear the cloak. Hagrid meets up with Harry, but Hagrid also stops to pick up Madame Maxime. Hagrid takes them to see four dragons, which will be used in the tournament somehow. Harry has to bolt back to the castle, though, so he doesn't miss his 1 a.m. meeting with Sirius. I like how it just kind of lined up. Like, listen, I got, I got a 12 o'clock meeting, I got a 1 o'clock meeting, and everything's going to be fine. Uh, the floating head of Sirius shows up in the fire. Sirius tells Harry that Karkaroff is a Death Eater, who is somehow allowed to uh, educate students. And uh, Hey, you like the guy, okay? I did at first, but that's because I like everybody when I first meet them. Oh, I see. And as a Hufflepuff, I am very trusting, and as a Hufflepuff, I get taken advantage of very often, and uh, led down wrong paths, and end up disappointed in the end, in myself and others. See, I don't trust anybody. That's a, uh, that, yeah, I, I would say that that's a Slytherin thing, but no, I think it, it might be more Ravenclaw, because you're more tactical about, mm-hmm. about it. I'm reading a book right now, and like I it's got... not that you don't trust anybody. It's just that at first you need to do your research. Yeah, very <laughs> skeptical. The book I'm reading right now, I was I was literally like, I can't read this right. I can't read this because I was afraid that one of the characters that I liked was going to end up being bad, and I just it was really stressing me out. But I think it's going to be okay. There was something that. Uh... I'm not going to give any any spoilers, but but the new Loki show just came out, mm-hmm. and there's a character in there that I really like, and I'm I'm worried that that character might end up being bad. Everybody likes Loki, and we all know I'm not, he's I'm, bad. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you who I'm talking about uh, because I don't want to spoil anything. But that's kind of the same thought that I had. I was like, oh, this person better not. See, I'm not even telling you the gender or yeah. the uh, whether it's an alien species or not. <laughs> well, there were really only so many characters in the first episode. But, like, in this, the book I'm reading, everyone's kind of, like, she was trying to kind of force you to think this person, you, you should question this person. All the while, there's this other person. And it made me not question that person. It made me question the, the quiet one that mm. we weren't paying much attention to. Anastasia? Yeah, no, not Anastasia. <laughs> Anastasia's the big burly woman, <laughs> which confuses in, in me because Anastasia's life, Anastasia, not a big burly woman. In real life, Anastasia is the quiet one that we found out that we really need to watch out for because yeah. she goes for just mid-afternoon strolls through graveyards. <laughs> she knows Bike all rides. about how to commit murders. Mm-hmm. And where to hide the bodies. She's like, I'm pretty sure I could get away with it. <laughs> like, like, wait, what? <laughs> like, we were talking about <laughs> toe fungus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she kind of slips that into conversation a lot. Uh, well, Ron strolls to the common area. 
which interrupts Harry's visit with Sirius, right when Sirius was going to explain how to get past the dragon. There's one really important thing. Oops, gotta go. <laughs> so Harry and Ron are already mad at each other. Now that anger grows even more, and Harry uses a Potter Stinks button as a ninja throwing star and hits Ron in the forehead. So that was chapter 19, the Hungarian Horntail. Today is chapter 20, the first task. You know we're still about halfway through the book, right? Yep. <laughs> Which makes sense, because we're just to the first task. So, of course, we wouldn't be halfway yet. There's three tasks. I guess. It's just a lot, a lot of, it's just a lot of fluff. There's a lot of fluff in yeah, there. Yeah, I thought about that again, reading this chapter. I'm like, I know we're supposed to get to the first task, but when are we going to get to the first task? I kind of thought that, so we get to see all four of the, the students compete. Mm -hmm. I was kind of wondering... Because we, the chapter, I was like really far into this chapter and nobody had competed yet. Yeah. I was kind of worrying. I said, Harry's not even going to compete in this chapter, is he? He's going to like op open up the, 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 the flaps to the tent and walk out and see the dragon staring him in the, in the face. And then it's going to be the end of the chapter. And I'm like, you son of a gun, JK Rowling. <laughs> Trying to gotta get gotta stretch. You gotta get the, the silly putty. You gotta stretch it out as far as you can, huh? No, no, we got there. No, we got there. So it I just, was I was pleasantly surprised that we actually got there by the end. Yeah, it just seems to be a pattern. It's like you can't call it the first task and not have everybody do the first task in it. You would think that would be super bait and switchy. I don't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, but Harry wakes up the next morning. We're getting closer to the first task of the Triwizard Tournament. He's super worried and super nervous about both the news that Sirius gave him about Karkaroff and the potential of a dragon killing him. Yeah, you know. Just normal stuff, normal, normal teenage stuff that you get to go through. Normal teenage wizard years. Conv like convicted felons walking around <laughs> your school and dragons maybe going to kill you in a couple of days. Just normal teenage stuff. I feel like he was pardoned because he's not in prison anymore. He's reformed? Should we call him reformed? No, we shouldn't. Because oh. did he get out for, like, serving his time? No, he got out because he snitched on other Death Eaters. <laughs> That's why this man is released. He shouldn't have been released into society. And we've, we've I've, I've gone on rants about this. He shouldn't have been released into society. He should have been released into some kind of, like, monitored work release program on house arrest or something like that. <laughs> Where all you can stay do home and like... is go to your job at the banana stand and come home. <laughs> banana stand? That's a little Arrested Development uh, oh. uh, drop for you. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, you don't. Uh, by the way, my uh, teacher friend Jane is going through back through from the beginning. And apparently she's knocking them out because she told me she was like halfway through Chamber of Secrets or something already. Listening back to our podcast. And she said, did you guys ever actually make those bingo cards? <laughs> and I said, no. No, we never made them. She was very disappointed in me oh. for not making the bingo cards. I think but you have to do it at home. If you have Arrested Development uh, on your the former Fox show that ended up on doing a couple seasons on Netflix, starring the great Jason Bateman and Will Arnett, who plays Lego Batman. Oh, I, yeah. I've yeah, seen that movie. 
if you have that on your uh, non-existent bingo cards, go ahead and mark it off. Go ahead. Yeah, What's the little, ahead. is we'll that see. called a blotter? The little thing that they use? Ooh, yeah, maybe. To, I, I was going to say, I have no idea. And then you said blotter, and that sounds mark, right. The little marker thing that they use yeah. for the bingo boards. Uh, if you're over the age of 80 and you play bingo regularly, please uh, inform us. Shoot us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. We could just Google it. So, uh, Harry explains everything to Hermione based on the conversation that he had with Sirius the night before, and also what he found out with his uh, little excursion with Hagrid about the dragons. And Hermione's solution to everything! <laughs> Go to the library. To the library. I like how she's like, well, let's take it one at a time. Let's get you past the dragon first. And then we'll worry about the former Death Eater. Yeah, let's handle the uh, the things that might kill you one at a time. She's very level-headed about it. You know? mm-hmm. But the answer to everything. Let's go to the library. To the library. Let's look it up. They're looking into everything they can find. Switching spells, which would like maybe change the dragon's teeth into something <laughs> else. They were all over uh, the place. Transfiguring the dragon, transfiguring Harry, uh, instant scalping, which wouldn't be helpful because dragons don't have hair. Yeah. Uh, pepper breath, which they said might make fire <laughs> worse. <laughs> and uh, horn tongue. Which would just give the dragon another weapon to kill you with. Yes. There was a bit about treating, like at the very beginning, they were talking, learning things about dragons. How to trim the talons, how to treat yeah. scale rot. So every it's like time grooming <laughs> techniques, various grooming techniques for your dragon. Every time you say toe fungus, I keep thinking of the, the, dra- the scale rot. <laughs> how, to, how to groom your dragon, so yeah. how to train your dragon. Um, do the, you think they have groomers for, like dragon groomers? Do you think... Like the wizards just knock them out and like, you know, get like a, what's a little, uh, the Dremel, do the Dremel out and <laughs> do the, do the nails. Well, I would like to think that the, the ones that are in the sanctuary, the dragon sanctuary are more wild and have more freedom to roam and they probably take care of their nails naturally. You think they tag them? You know how like they tag some animals to like, you know, keep an eye on like where they're traveling to and they're like migration patterns and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They got like a little like one of those little like earring clips that <laughs> has a little tracker in it. No, I don't think they got that kind of technology. Mm-hmm. But it might have a little tag just, you know, with a number or a name on it. But I think they're kind of enclosed in the sanctuary. They can't just travel around. They don't let them do that. You know, you've talked about how the wizarding world is so not up to to the times on modal technology mm-hmm. and muggles the majority of them in the world are unaware of the, that the wizarding world exists but there there is some crossover there there we've we've like hinted at that that there has been you know like big you know like the president knows all the secrets he knows where all the bodies are buried he knows about area 51 he knows about like the jfk yeah. assassination so i'm sure like if you become prime minister of england you are made aware if you hey if you didn't already know magic's real <laughs> <laughs> they're wizards sometimes uh, they cause problems but usually they but keep we work, it contained we, we, yeah we and we keep it under under wraps and we work together on this so you would think since there's a little crossover there that wouldn't wouldn't there be some muggles that would be like really keen on introducing technology and teaching technology to the wizards to make their lives even better? 
think it's specified in this series, but in a lot of series that books that have magic, they say that the technology and the magic just don't mesh. It makes the, te the technology not work very well. So usually that's the the go-to explanation. But I don't think it's stated specifically here. Also, it, these books were written a while back. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you know, not everybody had a cell phone in their pocket at the time. Early 2000s. You know. I think in Thor, in the Thor movie, Thor says something about how, you know, you call it, some people call it technology, some people call it magic, where I'm from they're one and the same or something like that mm -hmm. so Asgard is kind of like a bit of everything it's kind of like this utopia that is created through a mix of magic and technology which is kind of cool well I also took it to mean that they they just really understand the concepts behind magic more than like we're just like oh it's magic mm -hmm. but they understand it and the power behind it and the properties of it more so it is more of a science to them mm -hmm. Then uh, that's what he said. He said science. Yeah, yeah. he said science and magic. Then just magic. Mm -hmm. So they're looking into everything magic-wise to deal with this dragon. And the next day, Harry is having a bit of a, of a conscience crisis, if you will. Uh, he knows about the dragons. He's sure Madame Maxine has told Fleur about the dragons, and he's sure Karkaroff was sneaking around that night and probably found out about the dragons and told Victor. So the only one who doesn't know is Cedric. So is it Harry feeling guilty about everybody knowing but Cedric? Because he, he mentioned that he want he mentioned that it sh it isn't fair. That's why Cedric should know. But is that really why is that you think really why he just feels like that everybody should be at a level level playing field or um, because yeah. technically, it, w it would be an advantage if one of your three competitors didn't know. Yeah, but would you want to be Harry and not tell Cedric, and then he dies? No, I I wouldn't. Or he gets hurt. I wouldn't personally, but so, I'm a Hufflepuff. <laughs> yes, but I think Harry, you know, part of him is like, well, it's only fair, and and he does acknowledge that he needs, you know, so he can prepare himself, which would make him more likely to succeed slash survive. So I think it's a little bit of both of that, you know. He doesn't want to have the guilt on him if something bad were to happen. What if Hagrid never took Madame Maxime and Harry to the see the dragons? Would Karkaroff be the only one that would know? Possibly. Or you think maybe, I'm sure Madame Maxime would have done something to figure it out. She seems like a pretty resourceful lady. Yeah. And it... And, Moody even kind of talks about it in the very next scene about how they will do whatever it takes to win and they just want to beat Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. They want to prove that he's beatable. Yeah, they said they want to prove that he's human. Yeah. Like, I guess because he's been put up on this high pedestal that he's kind of like got this like, I don't want to say godlike status, but like, um, you know, people... Like, we put celebrities up on pedestals, and we think that they're, like, a higher order of human than everybody mm -hmm. else, you know? And, and superstar athletes and stuff like that, and world leaders. And maybe there's this perception that Dumbledore is so much better than everybody else in the wizarding world. And in some ways, he 
is like the most powerful wizard that's out there. That's why Harry doesn't ever really feel, even though he's constantly in danger, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really feel in danger because Dumbledore's around. It's kind of a constant theme in the books. I don't know that we've seen it a whole lot so far, but it, but we have seen it where they're like, oh, well, as long as Dumbledore's here, you're fine. Yeah, you're he right. won't touch you. Yeah. Nobody will rest with you as long as Dumbledore's we, around. We can have a know? Death Eater walking around school. It's cool. It's fine. Dumbledore's here. <laughs> Charles Manson's walking around school. <laughs> but he wouldn't dare do anything because Dumbledore's here. Of course not. So we see that a lot in the books. So Harry, of course, is going to tell Cedric. And he goes about it the natural way that he would. <laughs> He uses a spell to destroy... He stalks him. He first. stalks him. He uses a spell to destroy Cedric's brand new bag. Yeah, yeah. He breaks a bunch of uh, Cedric's ink that he probably is going to have to... Replace. And use financial means to replace. And ruined a bunch of stuff by getting ink all over them. And, and stains a bunch of his brand new books just to get his attention, right? That's yeah. how you get somebody's attention. You don't say, hey, bud. Can I talk to you a minute? You rip open their, you destroy their property to get their attention, which is natural. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, I get it. He didn't want to be seen by the other boys that were being mean to him because then it would just kind of turn into a whole thing. But I feel like it would have been pretty easy to be like, hey, I've got a message for the champions. Can you, you know, I'm supposed <laughs> to deliver from... Somebody Harry didn't important. need Hermione. He needed you to, <laughs> to to think things through. You both would have ended up in the library on more than one occasion. But I think you would, there would have been other times where you could have uh, just thought things through a little bit. Yeah. It's just, there's, there's several plausible explanations that you could need to talk to Cedric about. You're both champions, maybe. Champions only conference over here. Yeah. Gotta talk to the other champion. <laughs> That would have sat well with the other students that already hate Harry. <laughs> so Harry tells Cedric about the dragons. Cedric is a bit unsure why his rival would help him. But uh, Professor Moody overhears what happens and pulls Harry into his office. And Harry thinks he's in trouble for either knowing about the dragons at all. Yeah. For telling other people about it. Or maybe he's worried Hagrid would get in trouble for showing him the dragons. But Moody has a different reaction he expected, right? Yeah, he's just like, yeah, everybody cheats, it's fine. <laughs> and he actually complimented him on, like, doing the honorable thing. Yeah. And telling Cedric about it. Which I thought was, it was, it caught me off guard, too. But it really caught Harry off guard. He really thought that he was, either him or Hagrid was going to get in some super trouble here. But Moody kind of, Moody's kind of, he's an odd duck, man. He, like, we talked about that before, how he's just this big, mean, gruff, like, crazy-looking, creepy-looking, was with the eye, you know, and the, and the missing leg. And the <laughs> Does he have a missing leg? Yeah. Yeah, he's like a wooden leg. Yeah. And he just looks like he's just been, like, life has just really, like, beat him up. And, and taking some pieces. And ta yeah, taking some pieces of souvenirs. But then he, you know, has this, you know proclivity for showing a, a, a more human side a more humane side and it's kind of interesting the dichotomy between the, the two sides of Moody yeah I can't comment yeah I know you can't comment 
<laughs> just start looking around. I know you can't. Looking at other things. I know you can't. I know you can't. So, uh, let's see where we're at here. Uh, Moody asks Harry how he's going to get past the dragon. And says that I cannot tell you how to do it. I, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to show favoritism. And then he basically tells him everything that he should do. You know, he makes generalized statements, he, those Daniel. Are not generalized statements. Those are specific statements that were made no. to lead Harry no, to an would, answer. You would say that to any person who was about to compete in in some kind of competition. Play to your strengths. What are you good at? Simple. So if I hid a $100 bill in this house... And I said, if you find it, you can spend it on whatever you want. And I said, I am not going to tell you how to find it. However, I will leave you a series of clues. A series. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will recount for you these riddles three. <laughs> That's basically what's happening here. No, no. Generalized <laughs> statements, Daniel. These are generalized statements. So Harry re recognizes that flying is his strength. Yeah. Playing well, he <laughs> just goes playing Quidditch, and that's not going to help me any. <laughs> and you know, Moody's just like, oh, man. And, and Moody's like, how could I say this <laughs> like, without this is gonna, saying this it? This is going to take a lot more work than I thought. <laughs> so Harry recognizes that flying is, is his strength. To do this, he will need his broom. But he won't have his broom, so, so this is all pointless. <laughs> Until he realizes that he will need to learn a summoning charm to get the broom into the arena. And Harry and Hermione spend quite a bit of the next 24 hours or so practicing. Yeah. Uh, even to the point where Harry's like, dude, we should just skip class. And, and, and Hermione's like, nah. Uh, listen. I, I know you might die, I, yeah. but I'm not missing class. <laughs> I'm not missing class, jerk. <laughs> get it? It's not all about you. Know your audience, Harry. I know the book is called Harry Potter and the... Um, Goblet of Fire. Um, you know, which one are we reading? The Goblet of <laughs> Fire. Fire. <laughs> it's not called Harry Potter the Jerk and the Goblet of Fire. You want to see your friends fail school. I know. Ridiculous. Well, it's time for the first task. Harry eventually does get pretty good at the summoning charm. The only thing he's not sure about is that he's going to have to... He can summon a dictionary from across the room, but he's going to have to summon that firebolt from across the school grounds. He was a little concerned that they didn't try a greater distance. Or, just, or, or just move the firebolt closer yeah, to Yeah, why the, couldn't she take it with her? <laughs> I'm just holding this. I just like the, the way it feels. Yeah, I, it, I'm just holding it. It's his good luck charm. So I just want it to be near near him. <laughs> See, they need a Jessica there. They need... Alright, guys. Yeah, I totally just pictured the, her sneaking it into the... You got those robes? You can't tell me she can't hide it under her robe oh, and could... just walk right in. Think about how much stuff you could sneak into the movie theater under those robes. Yeah. You should have wore robes to go to the movies. It's like your own popcorn machine. Just <laughs> pull it out. Plug it in. Pop, 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 pop. Anybody? 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 Uh, time for the first task, Jessica. 
And the thing that kind of uh, caught me off guard a little bit is McGonagall's behavior here. McGonagall is very, very nervous. Very, she's usually so confident about everything. She's usually so very sure of herself. And she should be. She's a very powerful witch. But this is very unlike her. She almost feels like she's leading Harry to the gallows or, or something. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, she's got a particular fondness for Harry. I think most people do. He's Harry Potter. But she's also his head of house, so she feels like she's in charge of him. In a way, she is. And then, you know, she kind of discovered him for Quidditch, and she's a huge Quidditch fan. She doesn't want to... Mm -hmm. You know, she just has several ties to him. But also Other the, than just the... Hey, also the fact that she she knows that He's in way and, over his head. And that and she probably also knows that Harry didn't put his yeah. name in there. You gotta think that she believes him. And that if he didn't put his name in there, that there probably is something else going on here. Yeah, there's something. She's smart enough to, to And her and Dumbledore that. I mean Dumbledore always seems to have his own knowledge of what's going on, mm -hmm. but he does I think yeah. she is like his closest yeah, I think confidant. He can, yeah, I think he confides in her on certain things. He he doesn't show all his cards. Yes, <laughs> ever. I think if he was going to, uh, you know, communicate with people that he trusted, it would probably be Moody and you know Hagrid. And you can't tell Hagrid too much Yo, important you can't stuff tell though, Hagrid. because he just. But it it's not because Hagrid is a bad person. It's just because he's just very social and likes to <laughs> say things that he hears. Words just come out. He's not good at keeping secrets. But uh, the student body heads down to the enclosure to watch the first trial, and the four champions head to a tent for their pre-match instructions from Ludo Bagman, who's back in his wasp outfit. Yeah. I, he was... Uh, so we I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yes. He played for a team called the Wasp, right? Yes, the Quidditch team. And of course, as expected, Harry, everybody chooses a random dragon. And Harry, of course, as we predicted in the last chapter, gets the biggest, most dangerous one, the Hungarian Horntail. Because why name a chapter after a vicious dragon if you aren't going to give it to the namesake of the book? That makes sense to me. And we learned that the task will be to retrieve a golden egg without being turned into charred barbecue briskets. I don't remember them specifying that. And oh, you might the, be reading the the British version. Oh, <laughs> oh, they don't have brisket? No. Oh, okay. Just fish and chips. Yeah, fish and chips. <laughs> That's all they got. <laughs> uh, apparently, Brit food over in Britain is just awful. That's just... <laughs> everybody that I've said it's ever gone there just says it's just terrible. Just terrible food. Like, you go to France, and France apparently has amazing food. And apparently Germany has amazing food. And Spain has amazing food. And... The United Kingdom just is just hot garbage. <laughs> uh, Chrissy in the Senji Club lived in Great Britain, mm -hmm. you know, even in their little Air Force Army thing. Mm -hmm. And um, she is obsessed with fish and chips. Fish and chips? And hates pizza with a passion, like thinks that it's hot garbage. And how could we eat that? And why do Americans eat pizza. Interesting. Just... Different strokes for different folks, Jessica. Yes. Well, 
an interesting uh, interaction takes place with Ludo Bagman and Harry, and Ludo Bagman offers to cheat for Harry and give him some secrets, maybe on how to beat the dragon. He says, yeah. "Nobody will know. It's just between, it's just us. Fine. Nobody will know here." So fine, Harry, you're the underdog. We want to make this interesting. So there's a couple things here, and I'm going to talk about this a, a little later when we talk about the judging. Uh, this is the second person in the last couple of days who's very eager to help Harry. Yeah, you kind of asked the question earlier about what if Hagrid didn't take Harry and show him about the dragons, and I was oh, I forgot like, about Hagrid um, too. Yeah, and I was just kind of like, well, you know, um, lots of people offer to help him, so just because he got the help in the very beginning and mm -hmm. he knew about the dragons, you know, then he didn't really need it later, mm -hmm. but. Lots of people offer to help him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're gonna get some. We're gonna get some help from Moody, and then the offer of some help from Ludo Bagman. I'm pretty sure. I have now. This is not something I remember from watching the movie years ago. I have not read this book. I am pretty sure that Ludo Bagman has put a lot of money on Harry to win. <laughs> And there's going to be lots of evidence in this chapter. Are you suggesting that one of the organizers of the event has bet on a child? Oh, you just wait till I get to the end of this chapter. <laughs> I am going to go on another one of my rants about the judging here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And the corruption. It is the most corrupt judging panel since the 2002 uh, Pairs Figure Skating Winter Olympics in Utah. Oh, little teaser has, there for the end of the episode. He has thrown here. the gauntlet I down. I have thrown the gauntlet down. Uh, I'm 99% sure Bagman has placed money on Harry to win. He uses several betting terms in here. He says Harry is the underdog. Uh -huh. And I don't think he's talking about, like, the metaphorical underdog. I think he's talking about the literal betting underdog. Because when you have, like, a... A basketball game or a football game or a boxing match. You have the favorite and you have the underdog. If you bet $100 on the favorite to win, you won't get as much of a, a return on your investment. You might only get $20. You might only make $20 off of that 100 If the underdog is a very heavy underdog, like we assume Harry probably is, being the youngest, being the most inexperienced, being... Uh, the smallest being, the, you know, the having the less amount of schooling. If you and we know Bagman has a proclivity for betting. This came up in the Quidditch World Cup chapters. He was making bets with everybody on those campgrounds, <laughs> going around, including underage uh, children, <laughs> was making bets with them. I am 99% sure that he has put a lot of money on Harry to win. That's why he is trying to give him hints. Uh-huh. Um, that's why he is using terms like underdog. I don't think it's because he feels sorry for him. I don't think it's because he feels sorry for Harry because he is the metaphorical underdog here. He has probably, if you were just looking, you doing the eye test, on these four competitors, he would be the, the last one. If you were picking kickball teams, <laughs> he would be the last one that you would pick of the four. Let's be honest. I honestly think that Ludo Bagman's influ influence on this event has been sullied by his gambling problem. 
you laugh, but I am dead serious, and I think I'm on to something here. Okay, we'll see. Uh, when, uh, but Harry does not take the, the the help or advice of Ludo Bagman. Uh, when one competitor goes into the arena, the others are still in the tent, and they can hear the commentary, and they can hear the crowd go, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh. But they are left to form a picture in their in their heads. As are we. About what, what's happening. So I'm going to ask you a question, Jessica. Yes, sir. Oh, hold on. Ask me any question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> if you could pick... Now, we know the order was randomized because they picked out of the bag and picked different numbers. Uh, Cedric's going first. Fleur's second. Victor Crumb third, Harry last. Would you rather go first, second, third, or fourth? Fourth. Why? I know the waiting would be horrible, but... The waiting is the hardest part. Oh, okay. Well, Tom Petty for you. But he did get to hear that the others succeeded, mm -hmm. and so it is possible. Mm -hmm. And I know that he's kind of the underdog, but... I don't know. I just think that it would give you a little bit more confidence. Now you're using betting terms. Are you have you got <laughs> you got skin in the game here? No. So I just think for me, if I, you know, it'd be horrible to wait, but you could kind, of, it would still give me more confidence knowing that the others succeeded. Like if everybody, like three of the two of the three people before me died, mm -hmm. I'd kind of be like, okay. I'm, Deuces. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> When's the Hogwarts Express These people gone? are better than me and more experienced than me, and they died. So I'm just going to mosey on out of here. There's something to be said for going, I think, in all the different spots. I think there's something to be said for going first and, like, getting it out of the way. Mm -hmm. uh, like, if we, a lot of times, like, when we're at school and we have to report out from, like, our groups... A lot of times I will volunteer to go first just to get it out of the way. Mm -hmm. And I can go back to playing around on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but see, okay, now I just thought of something else. I, even, everywhere we go, I'm always kind of watching the people in front of us. Like, we remember we were at the airport one time and I'm like, okay, don't put your, don't do this because that person just got yelled at for this <laughs> and put, do this and do this, but mm -hmm. don't put this, have your, this ready. And mm -hmm. like, I already know what everybody else. You are else... the only person in the airport that does that. Though. Everybody <laughs> else is just so oblivious to the world around them. And that's why the airport is often the most unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, things like venture that. Venture you could take. Whenever we go somewhere, I'm usually watching the people ahead of me so that I know what to do you're formulating, and what not you're to formulating do. a plan you're studying your surroundings <laughs> and that doesn't really help in this case because you can't see what they're doing but i still feel like you could get some kind of feel for it it's like when we were doing listening. those uh we were doing those escape rooms like every other week mm -hmm. and then it got to the point where i would walk into a regular room <laughs> and i would immediately start studying everything does that move? What is that? What What's the significance of the of the five dogs on the wall there? Like, it's like do, I don't I don't under like why would this have that words? That would be a good into? place to hide a clue. That would be a good place. Like, why would a bench? Why is this bench here for no reason? You know that it, you kind of you kind of get into that mindset, but you're kind of in that mindset that you want to kind of hang back and sur survey the situation, and that mm -hmm. seems like a, a Ravenclaw thing to do. 
I'm just like, I'll go first! <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> That's me and Nightwing. <laughs> we'll go first! Because <laughs> we were both true Hufflepuffs. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd want to go last because there's also the pressure that if everybody else makes it, now you got to. Now you've mm -hmm. got to do it because everybody else has done it. So it's possible. You said that you said that that would actually help you knowing that it's possible. That might actually make me more nervous that, oh, shoot. Now, what what am I going to be if I don't do it? If everybody else did it and I go out there and I, you know, look like an idiot. I don't know. Yeah, but if you're truly like in Harry's scenario, well, if he doesn't do it, it's because he's younger and less experienced and less like he has an excuse. Well, Cedric went first, so I'll go first, too, because I'm a Hufflepuff. The Hufflepuffs <laughs> went first, I'll go first, too. Me and Nightwing will go out there and battle the dragon. <laughs> Akio Nightwing! <laughs> no, Cedric tur turned a rock into a dog and a tried, to, tried to get the dragon to eat the dog. Don't oh, let... yeah, dragon wouldn't be able to catch Nightwing. <laughs> did I? Did you know that he's the number one ranked Basenji lure-coursing dog in the world? Or in the world? United States. Yeah, he just wow. got promoted to the world. Wow. There's an international competition that he he's... did win the International Invitational. There you go. That, I don't know why it's the International Invitational. I'm sure people from other countries can come if there they want. There's a dog want, from Bosnia there. But I don't think anybody's Bosnia traveling overseas to go to this event. Uh, so Cedric goes first, Fleur second, Crumb third. They're all successful in retrieving the golden egg. And Harry goes last. Harry's summoning charm does work. His firebolt broom arrives, and Harry uses his superior flying skills and ends up getting the golden egg faster than the other three, Jessica. The it's underdog amazing. has become the overdog? <laughs> the fast dog? He's become the Nightwing? Yeah, he's Nightwing now. Yeah, he, he gets it faster than the other three. Which is weird, because while I was reading it, and he was being very meticulous about it and trying to weave around and figure it out, he... And, um, you know, kind of seeing what worked and what didn't. I was like, oh, this is going to take forever. And, and he kind of even says that. He's like, I'm just going to have to do it very slowly. I'm half. And so then later when they said he did it faster than everybody else, I was like, oh, really? Because I felt like he was being slower. Mm -hmm. It was a slower pace. Well, Bagman, I mentioned earlier my theory about him. Betting. Betting on, on children and, On a children's and, competition. And, and also being a judge, which is a big conflict of interest. So well, all of them are judges. I'm going to talk about okay. that here in just a second <laughs> because you think you're upset about this. Good grief. The judging panel is the most poorly chosen judge judging panel in any sport that's ever happened. I might go get a fresh soda while he goes on. <laughs> His uh, little rant. Bagman earlier called Harry the underdog, which is a betting term. Mm -hmm. It's not just a, you know, a, a literary term. It's, a, it's an actual betting term. And after Harry wins, Bagman says, quote, this is going to shorten the odds on Mr. Potter, which is another betting term. Shortening the odds means, let's say you were a 10 to 1 underdog. That means you basically have a 10% chance of winning. That if you put a $100 bet on a 10 to 1 underdog and they win, you win 10 times that money. You win $1,000 on a $100 bet. Mm -hmm. But if the odds are shortened, if you're only a 5 to 1 underdog, uh, 
you bet a hundred dollars on somebody to win, you would win five times that amount. So you only win five hundred dollars instead of the thousand dollars. So shortening the odds is another betting term. It's just so weird that he's openly talking about <laughs> but gambling. But he has a betting problem, so maybe this is and just how his know works. this. It's just how his brain works. Let's get the guy with the betting problem and the freaking death eater. <laughs> On our judging panel. I'm going to talk about this in a second. You got me fired up. We know Bagman loves to gamble, so I'm sure he wants Harry to win so he can make the most money by bet. I'm sure he betted on Harry when it was when he was a long underdog. And now, if you want to bet on Harry, you can still bet on Harry, but the odds are going to be shorter now because people have already seen how good he is. It's kind of like in the Hunger Games where they do the like the preliminary scores and they they the judging panel gives ranks the competitors mm -hmm. and then that kind of you know gives people uh, an idea of what the odds are for for them to win going in harry's odds were very difficult very long but after he's proven that he won the first competition uh in the shortest amount of time we still haven't seen the judges scores come in but he's accomplished it in the shortest amount of time. Now everybody's going to kind of go, oh, the kid's got a chance. So if you want to bet on Harry, you can, but you're not going to make as much money as if you would have bet on him from the beginning before you saw any of his skills. Uh, Harry got a little nicked up from the dragon battle, so he goes into the medical tent while he awaits his scores. And Jessica, the near-death experience seems to have reunited him and Ron. <laughs> yeah, Ron kind of... How do you explain that? It's just... Well, he realizes that it's not just about fun and glory, that Harry could actually die, and that it is... Even though he should have known that already, because people have died in this thing. He should have known, but he just saw this shot of glory, and so yeah, he's kind of realized, oh, there's no way you put your name in there, you would have had to have been crazy. <laughs> and Harry's like, took you long enough to figure that out, eh? Or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Finally came around, huh? Finally came around, eh? Fish and chips. Fish and chips. But then, then Ron starts to apologize, and Harry's like, no, no, it's fine. We good, man. We good. And then Hermione just starts crying and leaves. It's just, it's just okay. It's what I've been trying to do this whole time. Wizards are so stupid. Yeah. And she runs away. They have the emotional range of a teaspoon, some would say. Just because you've got the emotional range of a teaspoon. Oh, there it is. There it is. Uh, so we have five judges, Jessica. Rating on a scale of 1 to 10. And the judges are Madame Maxine, Mr. Crouch, Ludo Bagman, Dumbledore, and Karkaroff. And the scores go like this. Ma Madame Maxine gives Harry a score of 8. 8. Probably took off because of the, the, the cut arm. What Ron said. Mr. Crouch gives uh, Harry a score of 9. Nice. Dumbledore gives Harry a score of 9. Nice. Ludo Bagman gives Harry a score of 10. But he got hurt. Mm -mm, perfect score. Perfect score. <laughs> Shut up and take it. And Karkaroff gives Harry a 4. Well, what? Jessica, I have a lot of issues with the judging here. <laughs> Number one. Most of these judges cannot possibly be impartial. Maybe... The only one you could argue is Mr. Crouch. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Don't say Dumbledore. 
because Dumbledore gives Gryffindor extra points for friendship so they can win the House Cup every year. Dumbledore is very partial to Harry. He's shown this in the first few years of school. You can't say Dumbledore has any has any business being on this judging panel. Madame Maxime obviously wants Fleur to win. She is very biased. You can't have that. You could maybe have somebody from her country judge, just like in the Olympics, they have judges from every country. But having somebody from who is the leader of her school? Not is, okay. Like technically, her, like her coach. <laughs> yeah, that would be like uh, who's the uh, what was his name? Uh, Bella Caroli. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was like, no, Bella Lugosi. No, he was Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Bella Caroli. Uh, that's like having like Bella Caroli, who was like the coach of the U.S. gymnastics team when we were growing up. <laughs> he said, "Okay, now I'm going to be judge now. <laughs> I, I am going to I'm going to judge the, the gymnastics now. <laughs> you go do good, and you yeah, go do you good, do, and you go uh, do USA good. USA number one. You good? I'm gonna go over here and judge." <laughs> he goes, "All right, I've told you how to do it. I've taught you since you were a, a small child. Now I will uh, provide the scores." And I will give you better scores so that you may win. <laughs> and and so that I may share in the glory as well. Maxime obviously wants Fleur to win. Karkaroff obviously wants Crumb to win. And Ludo Bagman has a gambling problem and will no doubt vote for whoever he has money on, which I'm pretty sure is Harry. No one asked your opinion. Well, it's my podcast, so... <laughs> this, is, this is my forum, Ron! Uh, we couldn't get a panel... Of five impartial judges with no direct ties to the four competitors in this contest, Jessica? They wouldn't know the ins and outs and intricacies of the competition the way these people do. No one thinks it's odd that everyone gave Harry an 8, 9, or a 10, and then someone gave him a 4. Nobody nobody thinks that's, that's odd. Well, n no. I mean, they do think that's odd. And, and nobody, nobody's going to question, call them out. And there's no governing no, body. There's no Ron, international Olympic committee to oversee these corrupt judges. Who else gave gave a four? Somebody else did it too. Somebody else gave one of the other competitors a four. Yeah. Ron says that he goes, "Oh well, you know, so and so gave so and so a four, so like he was just getting back at them." But how can how is that okay? So that <laughs> you're you're defending it by saying that uh, it's okay. He gave him before he was just getting revenge. Just getting revenge. <sighs> Not to mention that one of the judges. Oh no! Crumb gave he gave Crumb a, a ten. Karkaroff gave Crumb a ten. Yeah. Hold on! Breaking news. I'm trying to look in the book and work the sound panel now. This just in, Karkaroff gave his own student a 10. Uh-huh. Whoa. Wow. And you think, Jessica, because you always just want to argue with me. You just want to argue. We you know you're wrong, but you just want to argue with me. Like the, about the toast for breakfast thing. 
you just want to argue. Now you're going to tell me. And you argued about Karkaroff being allowed to be walking around school a convicted felon. Now you're going to argue that this is okay to have He's these reformed. judges. He's not. <laughs> what did he do to reform? Snitch? That's not you don't re- know. You don't know his life. No, they told us what happened in the book. Parts of it. We don't know all of it. Maybe. He made, he made amends. He apologized to all the people maybe he murdered. Maybe he picked and... up trash along the highway a couple of days. <laughs> That's the sound of the man. Working on the chain. Yay, yang. He was just, he had the shackles on. He was working, on the, working he, on the chain gang. Yeah. Put in his time. <sighs> one of the judges, You're the puff, not me. One of the judges is a Death Eater. Former. And not one of, and not one of the Death Eaters that claims they were brainwashed by Voldemort because there's, all right, there's three class of Death Eaters, Jessica. Ooh, okay, yes. Right. There are the ones who de- who indeed probably were manipulated by some magical means into doing bad things. I'm sure there's some of them were. Yes. There are some that uh, were not uh, magically manipulated, but they claimed that they were, so they didn't get in trouble. Like the Malfoys. Mm-hmm. And then there are those that just said, yep, did all of it. <laughs> and Karkaroff is in that uh, latter group. Yeah. <laughs> he, it's not even like that, oh man, I got brainwashed and, you know, I served my time. I tried to make amends by ratting out these other Death Eaters and now I'm just trying to be a better person. No, you're a horrible, horrible, horrible person. Who did unspeakable things to get thrown into Azkaban. The only reason you got out, because you're a snitch. I'm just amused by how much you liked him in the beginning. <laughs> I thought <he laughs> and was, where we're at now. I, this, this, is, this is a microcosm of my life. When somebody new comes around, I choose to see the best in them. Like Paddington. And I choose to give them a chance and I usually end up getting burned in the end. And it, it just it just happened. I'm not even going to go into specifics, but it, we were just talking about this yesterday. And and the, the I'm trying not to get emotional here. The lengths that I go to help people and to do things for people, and the fact that I just kind of get used and abused and thrown away and and stored until I'm needed again. It's very, it's very frustrating. And I do the same thing with characters that I meet. And it's, it's frustrating when you get, you know, led astray by this horrible, horrible, horrible man. Yeah, I told you I was very stressed yesterday over my book that I was reading. And you don't have that issue with people because you just assume that everybody sucks. (laughs) And, yes. and then you're pleasantly surprised when every once in a while they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's just like when we would plan things, you know, there's certain events that our group does, and I would spend a lot of time planning things and trying to make it work for everybody. Then it just gets to the point where I'm like, nope, this is what we're doing. This is the day. Come or don't. I don't care. And she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> 
who cares about her dogs and that's I, it. I don't want to hear any complaints. So, I alluded to it earlier. Do you remember that Paris figure skating controversy in 2002? I'll bet if I showed you, like, the, the pictures of the... It was the Canadian team and the Russian team. See, I... Vaguely. All right, let me... Let but me... I'm more... The... I mean, the same thing happened in gymnastics, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. with the whole bra strap issue mm-hmm. and, you know, this and that. And it happens. So let me refresh your memory. Uh, so in 2002, the Olympics were in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. The gold in was given to the Russian pair uh, in pairs figure skating, even though it was obvious that the Canadian team had won. Well, it turns out that the French judge had been told by the head of the French Skating Association to give higher marks to the Russian team no matter what happened on the ice. No matter what happened, you give higher marks to the Russian team because everybody knew it was going to come down to these two teams. And it turns out there were Russian mobsters (laughs) that masterminded the whole thing with France. In exchange, uh, the French team would get higher marks in the ice dancing competition later on. Because ice dancing and, and figure skating are two different sports. Oh, that seems fair. So, <laughs> oh, a little quid pro quo. <laughs> yeah. A little this for that. At least they got something out of it. So, this and this all came after the, the investigation that happened afterwards. So, the Canadian team that finished second, because of all this... And because of the behind-the-scenes shenanigans, they ended up getting gold medals, too. Because, and, and they didn't take away the gold medals from the Russian team. They awarded two sets of gold medals. Because they didn't feel that there was enough, they didn't have the right to take away the gold medals from the Russian team. Because they didn't really have anything to do with it. They had been awarded these gold medals. They didn't cheat or anything. Somebody mm-hmm. cheated for them yeah, in but scores, they but they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. And they ended up, uh, I'm going to send you an article after this, and you'll remember, you're like, oh, I remember her, and you'll you'll remember. Because as soon as I looked them up and I saw their faces, I remembered the curly-haired guy and the, br- the pretty brunette from Canada. The Canadian team ends up getting gold medals, too, uh, like I said. But Karkaroff's obviously biased voting reminded me of that. Scandal! Scandal. Scandal. Judge. There's scandal everywhere. I I had a problem with a judge at Lord Coursing recently. Really? Yeah. Care to uh, name names and? <laughs> I, I wouldn't remember his name anyway. I, I need to start paying more attention. I just use. Yeah, my... you probably do because there's. Pro- I bet that there are some that are very. It's such a subjective sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, lure course judging, just like uh, uh confirmation which is like the the dog the westminster dog show the dog shows you yeah. see on tv it's all subjective it's all about personal opinion and because it's so subjective you can be a little less than um honest yeah less than honest i was gonna say kosher but i don't know if that's like that's the kind of term that's got adopted to mean like things aren't on the up and up but I didn't mm-hmm. want to offend any of our Jewish lis- listeners by, <laughs> by saying that incorrectly. So if I did, I apologize. Send your hate, hate tweets to at Dan Rhino. I, I have a friend that I usually call and I say, hey, these are the judges. What do you think? Because mm-hmm. she, she goes to all of the events and she knows all of the people. And these judges 
have repu- have noticeable have, reputation. Yes, some and they do, shouldn't. And it should just be a, should be a judging criteria that everybody follows. Mm-hmm. But there's so much su- subjectivity in there that these judges get reputation. But it was really odd. Uh, it was a smaller trial, and there were the same judges, two judges, same two judges both days, which generally doesn't happen. Usually, it's somebody different. They mix up one or whatever. But this weekend, it was the same two. And I'm actually pretty good friends with one, which you think is not that great either, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of a small community. Um, and the first day, the judging was fine. Everything seemed legit. Things that we saw, the judges seemed to see, and the scores took out how we thought they would. And then the second day, I guess the judge just decided he didn't like Nightwing anymore. And he dinged him bad. And my friend came and grabbed me in between runs. And she's like, I don't know. I We didn't agree. I don't know what he's doing. Like, she was kind of panicked about it. Like, I don't know. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then we saw the scores. And he put Nightwing at the bottom. <laughs> Nightwing's never at the bottom. And he was running against some dogs that, you know, he generally beats. So it was just very strange. Um... It all ended up okay. You know, he still ended up winning after the second run. He didn't score Nightwing as high as the other judge did. But, um... So there's multiple judges judging the same run? Yes. Okay. two. There's usually two. Sometimes mm-hmm. there is only one. See, that's where you really get into some trouble, yes. I think. And apparently, I did run into him before a couple of years, like last year. And he did the same thing, sort of. He just, he didn't like Nightwing, and he didn't give him the run, even though everyone thought that he should have won. I had people on the sidelines that I don't pretend to know much about what's going on. I don't feel like I ever know what's going on. I'm like, oh, that was pretty good. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, that was a really bad run. Oh, he got a great score. I don't understand. But um, everyone on the sidelines grabbed me and said, there's been a mistake. He couldn't have lost that. You need to go in and tell him to check the paperwork. Somebody wrote down the wrong number somewhere. Somebody did something wrong. There's no way he lost that. And and they checked the paperwork and it was all right. And then uh, my friend went over and talked to the judge and said, you know, hey, what what's up with that? And he said, oh, they're all mad because I gave it to Little Basenji, aren't they? I knew they would be, or something like that. And I was like, what? So he he just felt he should give it to the little female over the big male, who was clearly faster and doing better and whatever. And so Nightwing lost that day. And So he, just, he was just, to, bar, to <laughs> pardon the pun, he was throwing a bone to the... And she was good. She wasn't not good. It was like, it was her first time entering in open. And so she was new. I mean, she was fresh on it. There had to have been some kind of connection there. Like somebody's spending Thanksgiving together or something like that. Or somebody's (laughs) got dirt on them. Somebody like visited him in a dark alley somewhere. It was like a guy. Yeah, but then I have no idea why he would try and do it again. That's that's because somebody visited him like in a suit with a hat. And he was flipping a coin, <laughs> and he had two big guys uh, next to him. Come here, let me talk He's to like, you. He's like, "Come here, pal. I gotta, I gotta talk to you. You're gonna have to talk to uh, uh, Jim and Ronnie over here." 
Hey, Jim and Ronnie, show this guy what we do with, uh, when they don't uh, score the, the girls real high. They score the little girls really high. And he's flipping a coin the whole time. Got a toothpick in his mouth. And like, and Ronnie like breaks like a, a like a, a plywood piece of plywood or something over his knees. Like that's gonna be your face if you don't make the right choice. <laughs> I don't know who would have done that though. <laughs> and this happened in the 1930s. Yeah, <laughs> went back in time. He's been holding the grudge for a long time against oh. larger male dogs. Uh, well, let's wrap up here. We've been going over an yeah. hour. <laughs> we got way <laughs> off topic. You guys know way too much about lure coursing now. But actually, you know hey, absolutely pal, we need nothing to talk to you about for lure just coursing. A second. <laughs> step into me, step into my office. <laughs> His office is just the alley in the corner. <laughs> All right, a uh, couple things I want to uh, that stood out for me that. Uh, I pulled from various parts of the chapter, but I wanted to, I just going to kind of throw them at you in a potpourri of topics here at the end. Uh, one of the books that Harry was reading that he threw down, or that he put down when he realized they weren't getting anywhere, was called Men Who Love Dragons Too Much. <laughs> what in the world is that book about? It's like Hagrid when he had that, that little baby. I would say that Hagrid loves dragons. I wouldn't say that he loves them too much. That's insinuating that there's something else going on. I'm trying to keep this PG. But what the heck is that book about? Why is Harry reading it? <laughs> he just pulled all the dragon books off that he could find. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, you mentioned earlier that Cedric changed a rock into a Labrador. Yes. I thought that was a shout out to uh, Posh, uh, Kelly's uh, Labrador, Labrador in uh, up in Manhattan, who uh, just had a birthday a couple months ago, a month ago, a month and a half ago, or something, something like that. A couple oh. months ago. Uh, shout out to Kelly the Slytherin and Posh the Hufflepuff. Crumb uh, legitimately hurt the dragon's eye in in this contest. Um, we know Victor Crumb is a very good flyer. He could have also summoned his broom, I'm guessing, if he if he wanted to. He's a world-class Quidditch player. But we heard that Crumb used some kind of spell to hurt the dragon, hit the dragon in the eye until it was, like, stomping around in agony. And not only that, but dragon eggs were crushed in the process. It's very sad. So, Jess, I'm assuming... PETA is not aware of this tournament that's going on right now because all right I get the spectacle of having the dragons mm -hmm. and I get the fact that the dragons could hurt these competitors which in itself is messed up but the fact that these dragons can get hurt too mm -hmm. I know they're big and tough and you know they'll they'll heal quickly but that's kind of messed up, isn't it? Well, or just the psychological trauma of having somebody trying to attack their babies. Or the fact that now your eggs are crushed. Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> I thought that was kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I is there a wizarding PETA? In, is there a PETA in the wizarding world? Because if so, uh, they're going to get... That, that's just new. Hogwarts is going to be boycotted. By Monday, <laughs> they're gonna have a, they're gonna have people throwing like red paint on because uh, you know uh, 
Karkaroff and all the uh, people from Darmstrang wear the big like Furs, uh, fur, yeah. <laughs> furry uh, coats. They're going to get red paint thrown on them. Murderers! <laughs> mm-hmm. Could happen. So, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> We've gone off the rails here. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say before we wrap up this long episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer? No, I think I think we covered it and and much more. So uh, we going by the judges' scores. Even though Harry completed the task first, it looks like him and Victor are tied for the lead because of the bias judging the bias judging scandal of the Triwizard Tournament, which I'm sure there needs to be. If there's not already a Wikipedia entry for it, there should be because this is nonsense that we have that this hasn't been brought up. And I'm nobody else is outraged by this that has ever read the millions of people that have read this book haven't been outraged by this. He's I'm a, in a furor right now, Jess. He's a Death Eater. What did you expect? <laughs> he, not to be on the <laughs> on the judging panel. Good grief! <laughs> well, there is such thing as good grief. Just ask Charlie Brown. There you go. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Broomsticks and Butterbeer as we continue our journey through Harry Potter and what book is it? Something about Goblet a Goblet of Fire. Uh, we just finished Chapter 20, which is the first task. and uh, We're we like are, 41% into the book. Yeah, and we are 33% of the way through the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, next time we'll be back with Chapter 21. But until then, please continue to spread the word. Thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing. You can always shoot us an email, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, and we'll answer your question or just give you a shout-out on air. Or you can tweet us at broomsticksb. And I don't have my phone pulled up now, but we had a whole bunch of new uh, people liking the Facebook page. I keep getting like five notifications a day. Of cool. um, just different people that are liking the page on Facebook. Once in a while, I get friend requests, and I'm like, uh, I don't know you, and you don't have a Basenji for your profile pic, so I don't know you. But I clicked on one the other day, and their top bar the banner, pic, yeah. yeah, the banner picture was Fred and George, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So if you want to, okay. <laughs> if you're a creepy stalker in your basement and you want to, no, st- no, and you okay. want to stalk my lovely wife, just make sure that you have something Harry Potter on your Facebook page, or Basenji, or a Basenji, or a, a Basenji dressed in a Harry Potter robe. <laughs> Not only will she uh, add you as a friend, but she will immediately message you and say, "How did you do that?" <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, so, like I said, thanks everybody for downloading, listening, and subscribing. Uh, we'll try to give those people a shout out, and maybe next time on the show, I'll, I'll do do a little pre work here and compile a list, uh, so we don't make this long episode any longer. But uh, I'm Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino, and we will see you next time on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Bye. Bye.